0: Hello, and welcome to Bominable Bominations. I'm your host, Thomas, and this is the place for serialization of of turn-of-the-20th-century horror and discussion of other such topics. Welcome back to our ongoing serialization of The House on the Borderland by William Hope Hodgson. 22. The Dark Nebula. Years melted into the past, centuries, eons. The light of the incandescent star sank to a furious red. It was later that I saw the dark nebula, at first an impalpable cloud away to my right. It grew steadily to a clot of blackness in the night. How long I watched, it is impossible to say, for time, as we count it, was a thing of the past. It came closer, a shapeless monstrosity of darkness, tremendous. It seemed to slip across the night, sleepily, a very hell fog. Slowly it slid nearer, and passed into the void, between me and the central suns. It was as though a curtain had been drawn before my vision, a strange tremor of fear took me, and a fresh sense of wonder. The green twilight that had reigned for so many millions of years had now given place to impenetrable gloom. Motionless, I peered about me. A century fled and it seemed to me that I detected occasional dull glows of red passing me at intervals. Earnestly, I gazed, and, presently, seemed to see circular masses that showed muddily red within the clouded blackness. They appeared to be growing out of the nebulous murk. A while and they became plainer to my accustomed vision. I could see them, Now, with a fair amount of distinctness, ruddy tinged spheres, similar in size to the luminous globes that I had seen so long previously, they floated past me, continually. Gradually, a peculiar uneasiness seized me. I became aware of a growing feeling of repugnance and dread. It was directed against those passing orbs, and seemed born of intuitive knowledge, rather than of any real cause or reason. Some of the passing globes were brighter than others, and it was from one of these that a face looked suddenly. A face, human in its outline, but so tortured with woe that I stared aghast I had not thought there was such sorrow as I saw there. I was conscious of an added sense of pain, on perceiving that the eyes, which glared so wildly, were sightless. A while longer I saw it. Then it had passed on into the surrounding gloom. After this I saw others, all wearing that look of hopeless sorrow and blind. A long time went by, and I became aware that I was nearer to the orbs than I had been. At this I grew uneasy, though I was less in fear of those strange globules than I had been before seeing their sorrowful inhabitants, for sympathy had tempered my fear. Later, There was no doubt but that I was being carried closer to the red spheres, and, presently, I floated among them. In a while, I perceived one bearing down upon me. I was helpless to move from its path. In a minute, it seemed, it was upon me, and I was submerged in a deep red mist. This cleared and I stared confusedly across the immense breadth of the plain of silence. It appeared just as I had first seen it. I was moving forward, steadily across its surface. Away ahead shone the vast, blood red ring that lit the place. Footnote Without a doubt, the flame edged mass of the dead central sun seen from another dimension, editor. All around was spread the extraordinary desolation of stillness that had so impressed me during my previous wanderings across its starkness. Presently I saw, rising up into the ruddy gloom, the distant peaks of the mighty amphitheatre of mountains, where, untold ages before, I had been shown my first glimpse of the terrors that underlie many things, and where, vast and silent, watched by a thousand mute gods, stands the replica of this house of mysteries. This house that I had seen swallowed up in that hellfire, ere the earth had kissed the sun and vanished forever. Though I could see the crests of the mountain amphitheater, Yet it was a great while before their lower portions became visible. Possibly this was due to the strange ruddy haze that seemed to cling to the surface of the plain. However, be this as it may be, I saw them at last. In a still further space of time, I had come so close to the mountains that they appeared to overhang me. Presently I saw the great rift open before me and I drifted into it, without volition on my part. Later, I came out upon the breadth of the enormous arena. There, at an apparent distance of some five miles, stood the house, huge, monstrous, and silent, lying in the very centre of that stupendous amphitheatre. So far as I could see, it had not altered in any way, but looked as though it were only yesterday that I had seen it. Around, the grim, dark mountains frowned down upon me from their lofty silences. Far to my right, away up among the inaccessible peaks, loomed the enormous bulk of the great beast-god. god Higher, I saw the hideous form of the dread goddess rising up through the red gloom, thousands of fathoms above me. To the left, I made out the monstrous, eyeless thing, grey and inscrutable. Further off, reclining on its lofty ledge, the livid ghoul shape showed. A splash of sinister colour among the dark mountains. Slowly, I moved out across the great arena, floating. As I went, I made out the dim forms of many of the other lurking horrors that peopled these supreme heights. Gradually, I neared the house, and my thoughts flashed back across the abyss of years. I remembered the dread spectre of the place. A short while passed and I saw that I was being wafted directly toward the enormous mass of that silent building. About this time I became aware, in an indifferent sort of way, of a growing sense of numbness that robbed me of the fear which I should otherwise have felt on approaching that awesome pile. As it was, I viewed it calmly much as a man views calamity through the haze of his tobacco smoke. In a little while, I had come so close to the house as to be able to distinguish many of the details about it. The longer I looked, the more was I confirmed in my long-ago impressions of its entire similitude to this strange house. Save in its enormous size, I could find nothing unlike. Suddenly... As I stared, a great feeling of amazement filled me. I had come opposite to that part where the outer door leading into the study is situated. There, lying right across the threshold, lay a great length of coping stone, identical save in size and colour with the piece I had dislodged in my fight with the pit creatures. I floated nearer, and my astonishment increased as I noted that the door was broken partly from its hinges, precisely in the manner that my sturdy door had been forced inward by the assaults of the swine-things. The sight started a train of thoughts, and I began to trace dimly that the attack on this house might have a far deeper significance than I had hitherto imagined. I remembered how long ago in the old earth days I had half suspected that in some unexplainable manner this house in which I live was on rapport to use a recognized term with that other tremendous structure away in the midst of that incomparable plain. Now, however, it began to be borne upon me that I had but vaguely conceived what the realisation of my suspicion meant. I began to understand, with a more than human clearness, that the attack I had repelled was, in some extraordinary manner, connected with an attack upon that strange edifice. With a curious inconsequence, my thoughts abruptly left the matter, to dwell wonderingly. "'upon the peculiar material out of which the house was constructed. "'It was, as I have mentioned earlier, of a deep green colour. "'Yet, now that I had come so close to it, "'I perceived that it fluctuated at times, though slightly, "'glowing and fading, much as do the fumes of phosphorus "'when rubbed upon the hand in the dark.' Presently, my attention was distracted from this, by coming to the great entrance. Here, for the first time, I was afraid. For, all in a moment, the huge doors swung back, and I drifted in between them helplessly. Inside, all was blackness, impalpable. In an instant I had crossed the threshold, and the great doors closed, silently shutting me in that lightless place. For a while I seemed to hang, motionless, suspended amid the darkness. Then I became conscious that I was moving again, where I could not tell. Suddenly. Far down beneath me, I seemed to hear a murmurous noise of swine laughter. It sank away, and the succeeding silence appeared clogged with horror. Then, a door opened somewhere ahead. A white haze of light filtered through, and I floated slowly into a room. That seemed strangely familiar. All at once, there came a bewildering, screaming noise that deafened me. I saw a blurred vista of visions flaming before my sight. My senses were dazed through the space of an eternal moment. Then my power of seeing came back to me. The dizzy, hazy feeling passed, and I saw... Clearly. 23. Pepper. I was seated in my chair, back again in this old study. My glance wandered round the room. For a minute it had a strange, quivery appearance, unreal and unsubstantial. This disappeared, and I saw that nothing was altered in any way. I looked toward the end window the blind was up. I rose to my feet, shakily. As I did so, a slight noise in the direction of the door attracted my attention. I glanced toward it. For a short instant, it appeared to me that it was being closed gently. I stared and saw that I must have been mistaken. It seemed closely shut. With a succession of efforts. I trod my way to the window and looked out. The sun was just rising, lighting up the tangled wilderness of gardens. For perhaps a minute, I stood and stared. I passed my hand confusedly across my forehead. Presently, amid the chaos of my senses, a sudden thought came to me. I turned quickly and called to Pepper. There was no answer and I stumbled across the room in a quick access of fear. As I went, I tried to frame his name but my lips were numb. I reached the table and stooped down to him with a catching at my heart. He was lying in the shadow of the table and I had not been able to see him distinctly from the window. Now, as I stooped, I took my breath shortly. There was no pepper. Instead, I was reaching toward an elongated little heap of grey, ash-like dust. I must have remained in that half-stooped position for some minutes. I was dazed, stunned. Pepper had really passed into the land of shadows. Thank you for listening to another episode of Bominable Abominations and our continuation of The House on the Borderland by William Hope Hodgson. Tune in next week for another exciting episode. By the way, if you have any queries, questions or comments, feel free to contact me, Thomas, at t-u-o-m-a-s-v-a at outlook.com You can find this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and on YouTube under its title. Bye for now.